when I started using Coke for a little bit. And then that went into meth. Because you start realizing that, like, why am I spending money on this Coke when my real love is meth and it's cheaper? <laughs> yeah, and it was, like, way different high. I loved it way better. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I started using that again. Um, and, and my daughter's dad was not like that. He hated it. I kicked him out because I was he like. Wasn't I supporting your drug habit? Yeah, I was like, I love meth. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with you. Bye. And so, and then we, we were co-parenting a lot and I saw Lily less and less and less, you know? Um, oh, and then it just goes really crazy from here. So we got time. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show, Zara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am so glad we finally got able to do this. I know how busy you've been lately, you know, with you have Inked Magazine and you're killing it lately. What's this lit, next group that you're in now? So I am in the Inked CoverGirl uh, magazine contest and I'm actually going in. I can go into semifinals. So that's we're in a group right now of 16 women and you have to be in first to go to semifinals. And then there's only two more rounds left and I'm freaking out. <laughs> that's exciting. awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that because that, it's once a year. I remember I've seen other friends do it, but I think I haven't seen anybody that I've, like, been friends with on Facebook get as far as you've gotten so far. So yeah. I'll make sure if you're watching or listening, you can vote for her. Um, we're going to put it out right away just because of, you know, she's doing it right now. There's only certain time sensitive of Thank getting the so votes much. in. So go in the description to click on the link to, you know, go vote for Sarah for that. Now let's get into the other stuff that we're talking about. What is your sober date, Miss Sarah? So my sober date is 8-28-2014. I actually have it tattooed on my arm here with the syringe because mine was meth and needles. So. Okay. I like that. So 8-28-14. So you are coming up on eight years. You got seven and a half, roughly. Yeah. That's incredible and not an easy feat. Um, you already told me you have six kids, so that's like, you know, keep yourself busy with being sober in the last seven and a half years. Um, what was going on for you back in August of 2014? Let's start there. Yeah. So I was to the point in my addiction where I was homeless. I had lost custody of my daughter. Um, I was literally living on, in park benches, sleeping on park benches, vacant vans, in and out of jail, um, how many raids I had been in, like just really bad stuff. I mean, this is going to get like deep, you guys. And so it's, it's pretty, my story's pretty crazy, but you know, involved in things like rapes and, um, just being sold for drugs. And, and it's, I, I, I got to the point where I was, yeah, and we're, and we're going to rewind too. We're going to rewind more. I'm just curious about before you went in and then we'll rewind yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. yeah this this day, I was walking around with a bloody coagulated needle, and I, I couldn't even shoot up, right, because my veins were all messed up, and I got down on the street, and I prayed, and I was like, I just want to die. I can't, is this even, why do I even need to be here? Show me a sign, God, and I walked into a trap house, and 20 minutes later, the drug task force knocked in the doors, and like, I just felt different. Like, I felt ready. I, I had been in how many raids? I felt ready. I was bawling. They were like, why, why are you crying? Like, are you high? I'm like, yeah, I'm high, but I prayed for you guys. Like, seriously, like they knew me by my name. They're like, Anselman, when are you going to get different friends? Like, this isn't who you should be. You, This isn't you. And I, I got handcuffed and I was like so excited getting in the cop car and I went to jail. Um, I served the most time I had ever served and got, you know, cleaned out and went to treatment after that. Where, where are you from? So I'm in Minnesota. Okay, so you were you're in Minnesota when this is going on. So that's why they definitely like. Are you like in the city in Minnesota? Or are you like in one of those like? Okay, so you know I feel like in those cities like there's sections and like the people work those sections. So they see you often when you're an addict, and they know who the addicts are. They've probably arrested you before. <laughs> like they might even know your family by now. Yeah. Like like that kind of deal. Like are you are you born and raised Minnesota? No, I actually was born in Germany. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah, and I my mom was in the military. So That makes sense. 
Yeah. I have um a you know a sister. I call her a sister. She lived with us for a year when I was in third grade, and she was an exchange student, and she was from Osnabrück, um, Germany, and now she lives in Berlin. And we have visited. We were out there in Berlin um in 2016 visiting, and it's such it's such a cool city. Like I I loved loved it out there. Oh, yeah. Um, so you were born in Berlin. When did you come over here and was it always to Minnesota? So, yep, yep. So when I was like about three years old, I wasn't there long. Um, my, I came to my grandparents in, in Minnesota and I've been here ever since. Okay, so. yeah. I even heard, even just the way you said Minnesota, it just like, there's like this certain like little, like it's, that. It's, and then the obvious is the oop or ope. Is that what it is? Ope? Oop, yep. Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah. well, sure. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, I went to rehab with a guy from Minnesota, <laughs> so, oh. and we we both related because, you know, we would both drive about an hour to get our drugs, and, like, my last three years of addiction looked like me driving in Amish country in PA to South Jersey four times a week, an hour and a half each way, oh just to buy pills and turn around and drive back again, and I was in rehab with this kid. I call him a kid because he was like 20 years old. We called him Baby Jake. You know what I mean? Like that was like his name in rehab. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, in Minnesota, I used to drive in the snow like two hours. And I would just be stuck like in some places like all yep. this shit. I'm like, all right, I don't feel alone. I'm not the only crazy <laughs> asshole out there. Uh, <laughs> and he still, well, you know, watches my, sh well, we still talk all the time. So he's doing good. It's nice to like see people from rehab still doing good years later. Um, now, when you went to treatment, I bounce all around and I apologize. But when you went to treatment, was that your first time going to treatment? Yep. First time. First timers club right here, both of us. <laughs> First time, only time. That's hard. <laughs> no, like, that's hard. So, good job, man. I, well, I think the difference is, is that when, if you go to treatment for your first time and you want to go to treatment. Yep. You're going there with, like, hell yeah, I'm going to treatment. And yep. when you go there like that, you take that kind of mentality. You, you're more open to learn. You're more receptive of the information. You're more broken and ready to hear and take in this information you learn in IOP. If I'm going there because my parents made me go or my, my wife or whatever made me go or the court system made me go, I wouldn't be learning shit. I'd be just – it would be like be going through school all over again. I'm there just to get the grade, get a C, and get the hell out of here. Yeah, you got like, that <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and it's a C, you know, give me the C and this way I don't get in trouble and get the hell out of here <laughs> and then move on. So you're growing up in Minnesota. You said with your grandparents, um, did you grow up with your grandparents or was that only sh temporarily? Just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when did you discover drugs and alcohol? So about when I was 14 years old, I was living with my mom and I, liked this boy that you know he's he smoked weed whatever um so we are you, you my know, age sorry i have to i'm always curious now when i ask people so how old 32 30 okay i'm 35 close enough okay so yeah. you'll understand the references that i make if i need to make them okay yeah. good <laughs> all right so you're so, 14 years old yep and i you know we smoked pot whatever drank some alcohol you know started partying um and then my mom found my pipe when I was 14 stashed under my bed and she was so pissed and she was so pissed because she's a she's a recovering addict and she just didn't want me to go down her path right <laughs> yeah so yeah. she kicked me out and I went to live with my dad and then that's where I really went into shrooms and meth was it because you were in a different location like because like you moved to a different city now and more and more things were available like what was it that you graduated so quickly because like you know was it go ahead yep so so to be honest my dad uh, was a meth addict wasn't is a meth addict uh, I mean I don't talk to him much so he he's he does better but he still dabbles in it um yeah. and so his friends were young you know dealing and stuff and being into that his friends were younger but older than me and I was just like this like, ooh, male attention, you know, they're, they're smoking this pipe, and one handed it to me one day, and I was always around it because of my dad and his friends, so, yeah, that's how it started. It just really escalated. Were your parents young parents having you also? 
Yeah. Yep. They were young. Given that, I, my given that she was in the military. Yeah. My and but after that, my mom, you know, meeting my dad, they just didn't do well together, and they both got addicted, and it just was a bad childhood. That makes sense, though. I mean, if they both, if you moved in with your, you know, your mom's in recovery, so she doesn't want you around it. But unfortunately, I think things. It's almost like that hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like, oh yeah, why would I? I don't want her to do drugs, but I sent her with somebody who was actively using drugs. Of course, she was going to use drugs there. Like hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty. You know, yeah. when it comes to that kind of thing, um, and you know that as a parent now, you know we don't know what we're like. I, I know as a parent now, I'm like, oh, my God, my parents really, I don't know how I'm alive today. Like, because right. my parents didn't have any information at their disposal on what to do with me. Because I got into things, you know, at 11, as early as 11, 12, you know. So, like, I was already getting in trouble. So, yeah. Anyway, now you're with dad. Are you going to school but still getting high? Like, just like this a thing at home that you do that. Yeah. Yep. So, well, my dad worked a lot too, but I didn't know if he was working or not. Like, you know what I mean? Um, he was, I just want to say this. He was a great dad. He was a great dad. He was like my friend. I know that's not always the best thing. He made sure I had food and everything like that. So I want to say that, but he was, he was gone a lot. And so we'd have parties and just like stay up for four days and then drink Red Bull and go to ninth grade. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, sitting in Spanish class, just eyes red and bloodshot, and the teachers just like totally knowing what was up. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think that they, they knew, but they didn't know at the same. It was almost like the the, the parents in denial, the kind of thing with the teachers, because like yeah. I was high as fuck in my first period every single day, especially my senior year, and it was because we would get drunk the night before. And we would be so hungover, we would need to take a bunch of pills in the morning and get high before school. And we would just be in the back of, there would be the first, the last row of us in the back of the classroom. And it was like, what was, current events was our class my senior year that I can specifically remember, where our teacher just would look at us walking in every day, just eyes shot to shit, like walking yeah. in, like we're a couple, a bunch of alcoholics. Oh, um, God. I don't know, you know, how old, how old are your kids? So we have a blended family. So some are his and some are mine, but our oldest is 24 and then 18, 13, 12, five and two. Okay. That yeah. is quite the age range. Yeah. It's wild, right? 24 to two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two year old could have been the 24. Uh-huh. I <laughs> know. That's awesome, though. That is so cool. I mean, if you're going to have a blended, you might as well have a really wild like that with a bunch of different keep you busy for a long time. Yeah. OK, so now you're a teenager. You're in Minnesota. You're actively drinking easily and actively. And it's meth was the big drug around there, around your area. Yeah, meth, uh, meth and mushrooms were what I really got into. I mean, and drinking, of course, but meth was my love you know like sickly that was my obsession that was me with 30s with perk 30s i get it it was like i remember specifically thinking like this is all i want every single day like i barely drank for the last decade of my addiction i only ever drank for the yeah that i think the last 10 years the only i only ever drank to keep up appearances I would drink at family parties so that they would think that I'm drunk and not high, mm. you know? So I would sip on a drink, be like, oh, this is number eight. When really it's like number two, but really I'm in the bathroom snorting thirties, you know what I mean? Yep. So like I would drink to keep up appearances, but I wouldn't drink alone like I used to. Now I just do pills alone. Um, so when does it become like, do you ever at any point go, oh, shit, Sarah, I have a problem. Like, I'm doing this way too much. This is not good. So, honestly, after I, after I lived with my dad, you know, some bad stuff had happened to me with one of his friends had raped me, like, dr like totally drugged me and raped me. And so, and that wasn't long after I lived there. And so, just right away, I think I just numbed myself all the time. And I had a problem right away. Like You were, right, like, 15 then? Yeah, just always fucked up 
And but did you know that? Okay, Sarah, I can't. I shouldn't be doing this, but most people haven't been through what I've been through, and I deserve this, and I need this because to deal with what I have to deal with in my head. I, I honestly, I don't think I felt like that at first. I don't. But think at, I felt- at first, you eventually did say that yeah. to yourself, though. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, because I feel like a lot of us do give us ourselves. It's so funny because we punish ourselves so much, but we also give empathy to ourselves too. Yeah. You know, whether we realize it or not, or whether we want to think of it as giving ourselves empathy, but we do. It's like, no, I do deserve to get high today because of what happened up here. Yeah. Like I, you didn't I, have to live up here today like I did, and it was awful. Yeah. Like. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't even. I'm not trying to justify it, and I don't think we were trying to justify it then. I no. think that literally, like, most of us wanted to die mm-hmm. that day. And the fact that we didn't kill ourselves that day meant we should be able to get high because you don't know what it was like up here. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it gets dangerous. And, and like you just said it, like, you were 15 and already thinking that way. Yeah. And not even, like, probably even processing it that way, but, you know, subconsciously, I'm sure. Um, when is it that you're like, all right, I'm not going to live with my dad either. And I'm just going to do this anyway. So like when I left his house, you mean kind of thing is. So, okay. So this is what happened. Um, when I, when I turned about 16 years old, I, I was almost sick of smoking meth, getting high, staying up for weeks. I would literally stay up for like a week to two weeks, um, at that young, but my, I moved back in with my mom. Like I straightened out for, two years and then I met a guy in one of my senior year and I said you gotta stop meeting dudes 14 <laughs> I met a boy 16 I met a guy you gotta just stop meeting people. telling you oh my gosh I could write a book and name the chapters the their names like that's a great idea I think I'm gonna and do name that. the book I met a guy <laughs> oh my god that's brilliant um so but anyway so I met my daughter's dad and okay. I'm like um, we're going to leave. We're going to go to Washington state. You can't tell me what to do. And I went with him, Washington state. So I'm about 17, 18. I don't remember. Um, I think I just turned 18 cause I just had graduated and then I, we got pregnant and I came back to Minnesota. So then so that, you're like, I'm out of here. You, I don't need you. Hey, yeah. I'm back because I'm going to have a kid and I really am going to, you want to be a grandparent, right? I really need you. So, <laughs> She, we didn't really talk much because she was mad at me, I think, you know? Um, so I, I can't, I went back and I got my own place. We talked a little bit, but not really. We, so me and my my daughter's dad, we got our own place and it wasn't long. I think Lily was one years old, my daughter. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are looking for therapy and not able to get something right away locally, you can do that with them within 48 hours. You can find a therapist to get on telehealth with you. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything but great things from people that have already done it that watch my show or listen to my show. If you're looking to get 10% off your first month, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash MJ's MCA. That is betterhelp.com slash MJ's PNP. started using coke for a little bit and then that went into meth because you start realizing that like why am i spending money on this coke when my real love is meth and it's cheaper (laughs) yeah and it was like way different high i loved it way better but yeah um, so yeah then i started using that again um and, and my daughter's dad was not like that he hated it i kicked him out because I was he like, wasn't I supporting your drug habit. Yeah, I was like, I love meth. I'm I'm done with you. Bye. And so, and then we we were co-parenting a lot, and I saw Lily less and less and less, you know. Um. Oh, and then it just goes really crazy from here. So. We got time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Of course. Um. But I mean, I I almost can't. I I went to college for a little bit, but then I I I didn't stay. Cause I was just high all the time and messed up. I'm trying to think, I, you know, I, I got evicted from my house. I couldn't keep a job anymore. And then this is when I moved to like the city that totally, I say like totally messed me up. 
Um, so you were like, you had your kid, you had your daughter, you were 19. Um, and by then, by the time you had her, you, you kicked your, your ex out, your baby, you know, your daughter's dad out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys were going to co-parent while you're co-parenting. I'm just trying to catch myself up. Yeah, please yeah. do that. Yeah. Yes. So while you're, while you're co-parenting, you also, you, you get evicted from your house that you had mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to go to this other city in Minnesota yeah. now. And then yeah. you go to this city and it's like, like a fucking plane going down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I go to this other city and I get I get a job at a bar and I meet another guy and he lets me move in with him because I don't know. This episode's did. going to be called the one when Sarah met a guy. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I met another guy and you know I was I was still like taking care of myself. I'm looking good. You can't tell I'm an addict if you just first meet me, right? I got this energy, but that's the meth, you know? Like yeah. Yeah. Um, so I meet this guy and. Was your hair green then too? No, this is a new thing. It was always long brown, so. Okay, I wasn't sure. Okay. So. Yeah, so long brown hair, um, and he lets me move it in with him like right away. And so then I had then I had like a stable place. Lily could come, and he was like a really cool boyfriend and daddy to my daughter. Um, but then the neighbors exactly right across the street, I could see their lights on at four a.m. And like this is when I, so I found this guy right that I moved in with, and so. I less and less on the meth and like more and more on the love. Right. Cause it was like, I don't know. It, you know it has, no, no. I, I know what you mean. You're addicted. You're, you're, Addic- um, yes. you're addicted. No, no, you have, you're addicted to sex and love um, yep. where you're codependent, but also yep. you're addicted to drugs and you need a hundred percent at all times. So whether you're getting 10% from sex and love or 90% meth or 30% sex and love and 70% meth, there's a hundred percent that fills that void between and so when I when I when I was with him and like I was so excited and I hadn't loved somebody for so long I didn't do meth as much right but then I saw this um across the street from our house the lights on all the time and you know I'm like ooh, I I miss this so when so this guy was a rapper that I dated and so when he was gone doing his shows and stuff I I'd go over there and I got so hooked back into meth and smoking and some good like crazy good shit like it's i was so be funny we're like fucking garfield to lasagna when it comes I- to like dr- like you know i swear to god like i did the same thing i moved to massachusetts at one i moved 30 times in like 15 years to avoid drugs i kept moving for myself i kept going whatever and the one time i was in massachusetts middle of nowhere and i didn't even know anybody but my roommate and it was like, you know, we had apartments under us and we next to us, whatever. But then I noticed that our neighbor had the same car visit him five days in a row at the same time every day, like noon every day. I'm like, no one's buying weed every day at the same time. You buy your pills at the same time every day, but no one buys weed every day at the same time. You just don't. I was yeah. like, so that person's selling something that's not weed. So I just timed out smoking a cigarette to like have a conversation, showed them that I had a script of thirties and then we became friends. That's just like that. And that's yep. what this was. And so then I would be there so high and three days would go by and I'd come home to my guy and he'd be like, you've been, you know, what's going on? You've been gone. And I'm like, no, it's only been a day. I'm on tweaker time. I don't know. And so then he just he's like where have you been you're like where do you mean it's only i've only been gone for 72 hours what do you mean where have i been get off my ass and i stalker much (laughs) i didn't know i had been gone that long you know but it just it (sighs) it escalated um i was always high I, i started losing a lot a lot of weight and he just our connection really fizzled out he didn't even want to look at me anymore um and then and then i met a boy I met a guy who was so, so cute to me. And I don't know why, because he lived out of a backpack and he, and he used needles and he intrigued me. And I I would let him come over to my good guy's house that this guy, the rapper, he was so good. He was so good. He, He let me live there, even though he hated me and he knew I was using in his house. Anyways, this other guy in the backpack comes over when my rapper guy's gone and I just loved watching him shoot up. I loved how fucking nuts and, and just chaos he was, you know? Um, 
and no i get it i've been an addict i get it yeah. <laughs> i get it it's you know, people don't get it unless they've been a drug addict you don't get the sensibilization sense of, uh, i can't talk sensibilization that we do or you know romanticism that we do like we romanticize the weirdest things like there's a lot of people that you know send off like weird shit like dick pics and stuff like that right well i used to send off unsolicited me sniffing large lines to my friend like like my snap history yeah my snap history from back then if it's still there too because you know how snap is when you go through and it's like this day five years ago and it's like four pills on my desk and the next thing is me with a giant line in front the next snap is me going across and doing it you know and like these are the snaps that I was sending people. Yeah. You know, I wasn't just taking them and saving them. I was sending these off to people that were getting high too. Like, almost like, look at me. Like, so like, it's so weird, but we are in love with them. I literally had a breakup song and a breakup letter that I wrote to pills because, you know, my, my breakup song, I distinctly remember was slow dancing in a burning room by John Mayer. Oh Yeah. Because, like, I felt like that song perfectly encapsulated the way, like, I loved to do this drug every day, but also how it tore me apart every single day. And it's a toxic relationship that we unknowingly enter, almost like, I explained it to somebody in a meeting before, I was, like, I was running basically like an Al-Anon type of meeting, and I had a woman here who didn't understand why her son, for 15 years, hasn't stopped shooting dope, and he's 35 years old. And I said, well, have you ever had a boyfriend that your parents didn't like? She said, yeah. And I said, your parents told you all the things they didn't like about him. And all you would say was, you don't know what he's like when we're alone. You don't know the things that he says to me and the comfort he gives me. She was like, yeah. And I'm like, that's how the drugs are for us. You don't know what it's like when we're alone. Right. You don't know what that drug does for us when we're alone. When everyone says they hate us, that drug says they love us. Yeah. yeah and that's- it's the same as that toxic relationship that you were in with that boyfriend that your parents didn't approve of and she started bowling because she was like you know this is the first time i've been able to empathize for my son because i actually do understand that type of feeling yeah that's that was a great analogy for you to do that and share that you know yeah and that's that's why it's good to ask those questions even though they're questions that you don't understand maybe somebody can answer them for you and show you a way to look at them um so now you're i get now we're gonna now we'll come back to everywhere you're with this dude and you're romanticized in the needle for the first time because now you were smoking with your neighbors on take it across the street you weren't shooting yet no because it takes i feel like for someone to get into shooting they have to be around somebody who's doing it that they can help teach them the right way to do it but also they you end up fall, like you said you fall in love with it you're like damn look at the way he's looking look at the way he's not he's getting into it i want that feeling that he has i don't get that feeling exactly and like the way the pupils would go the biggest they ever did all that stuff so you know we we'd hang out <laughs> yeah do all this stuff freaking steal from all the stores like just all this rush stuff you know that's when i would eat a lot of the dope cuz that's like a different high too but then one day, oh my gosh, we would just eat so much. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it you almost are like in a cartoon and it's it's so fucked up. But anyway, so one day we went over to one of his buddies' house and they were shooting it up too. This night was really, really crazy for me. Um, this is the first night I tried it and the dealer, you know, I was watching him do it and then my guy, I don't like to say names, you know, but like, so the guy, the boyfriend, I had two boyfriends, right? The good rapper guy and the, the backpack guy. So he left for a little bit and I was just with his dealer and I'm like, that's the name of that chapter, by the way, the backpack guy. Yeah, I know. Right. Isn't this cool? Okay. So I said, I want to try it your way this time. Like I, you know, and I, I had already done like a hundred milligrams of Adderall today. How many, how many smokes, like how many, whatever snorts. And he, he, he filled up my needle and he, you know, he was pushing it in. And as he's pushing it in, I'm literally like getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And I told him to stop. I'm like, I'm literally going to die. Like I, this is insane. My eyeballs were shaking and he, he finally pulled the needle out and I, and I was like, Oh Dean right then and there, I couldn't, I like, I pissed my pants. I couldn't. And you know, it takes a lot of meth for you to, 
for you to go paralyzed, you know, but he raped me there. And then I, and I could, my eyes could, could look around, but my body couldn't move. And these guys had came into the door, robbed my purse and all my stuff. And then all of a sudden the backpack guy comes back and it's like, I don't know. It was really weird. Like the backpack guy would always um, mess with me and sell my stuff. Like he was the bad person that I was in love with. Like he was selling me and stealing my stuff and trading my phones and iPad. You know what I mean? Um, So I think he had this planned. I don't know. Anyways, I think I was for a week after that. I think if anything, he saw he had a crime of opportunity knowing eventually you would ask to shoot up. I, 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 you know, I think because he didn't like, if he would have been like coming in, like here, Sarah, shoot this. Yeah. And like, kind of like coerce you into shooting. Then I feel like it would be planned um, to give you any, I don't want to even take his side. I'm cause I'm not, but I'm saying to give you peace of mind of, I I don't know if it does or not, but I feel like since you had said, hey, you know, shoot, can you do this and shoot me up? Because I want to feel like you feel, I think it was more of an opportunity, a crime of opportunity and not not a stage plan because he had seen you get high before. And I hope he didn't do anything. But like you said, he was not a good person. He was already stealing your shit anyway and, you know, selling your shit anyway. So, if anything, it was an opportunity for him. Oh, now she's even more high than I've ever seen her. Here's another opportunity for me to do more bad shit because I'm not a good person. Yeah. You know, so, like, he just wasn't a good person. But, like you said, you get attracted to weird and different things because it's not you that you're attracted. You're not attracted to that. It's the meth that's attracted to that. And plus, that literal attraction is called hybristophilia. Um, It's called the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Hmm. Um, and the technical term is hybristophilia, and it's when you're attracted to somebody because they do illegal or bad shit. Okay. But it's it's so legitimate and real that there's a technical term for it like that. <laughs> Same, yeah. So, pretty- but it's but it's basically based on the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome, is what the like layman's terms is for it, which is even more hilarious because that's saying that Bonnie was attracted to Clyde for doing bad shit when really that couple's dynamic is Bonnie was the one that was bad and Clyde was going along for the ride and mm-hmm. Bonnie was the one that that was the ringleader of that little gang and since it was 1933 they couldn't like say the woman's in charge but right. Bonnie ran that shit Bonnie ran that crew she <laughs> wanted to be the superstar that was her crew so it's really the Clyde and Bonnie syndrome, if you ask me. But yep. to give you any peace of mind, it's called a, it's called hybristophilia. I wrote a screenplay on it, um, okay. and that's the only reason I know about that is because I was obsessed with Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, so backpack dude, do you ever see him again after that night? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, um, his story does not end there. You mean after the night? Yeah, I was obsessed with him for like this whole time, the whole next two years. So I, I used um, needles for the next two years, even though it felt like seven years long, right? Because I'm just stuck in this chaos. Awake. Yeah. Um. So I, I go home to the rapper and I remember being high for like, I don't even know, three days after that, after shooting, I, I would walk around with a with a bat because I was so paranoid from going from window to window. Like, I don't know what the hell, but anyway... And this was the last time that I seen my daughter, who was four at the time. Um, her her dad had came over to drop her off for my turn, and I was so high, I just slammed the door in her face. She had her little Dora backpack packed. I'll never forget it. And she was so cute. And I just said, I cu- I couldn't take you. I couldn't. I can't take you anymore. And it was so sad. And yeah. Anyways, after that, um, oh, I almost said his name. Uh, my rapper boyfriend. He finally kicked me out think like he should have kicked me out how long ago and so I went with the backpack dude um and just went from house to house and you know there was so many guys that I like liked and just like that fed my addiction um I am so glad can I I just need to cut you up for a second I am so glad that you don't didn't have an ego as a mother though there are a lot of people who have that motherhood ego and where they're like, 
I don't care how fucking high I am. I'm going to be a mom today and I'm going to have my daughter no matter what. And then that daughter is put into some really bad circumstances and situations based off the mother's ego and not being able to believe that she truly is not is an addict and can't do this. So, like, I have to just, like, give you total kudos for that. I know it hurts and I know it sticks in your mind, but please believe that you did with the best thing that you could have done for your daughter at that point in her life. Yeah, I'm even getting emotional now thinking of it. But, but so thank you for saying that because I can just imagine if I would have took her through all those times, the people that would have hurt her and the things she would have seen. Like I've had, you know, I've had so much bad stuff happen to me, and she she could have got really hurt. Exactly. Like you know what has happened to you when you were put in situations where people were around you that were on drugs, and we have we know other people that are on social media that you know have platforms that talk about what happened to them when they were put into situations around people that they shouldn't have been around. <clears throat> so, you know, I think that that was a great thing that you did for your daughter. Even though you look back and it makes you emotional, makes you upset, and it's a hard thing to, like, think that you did that, it's actually the best thing you could have done in the moment, I think, in my personal opinion, as a father. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's awesome. You know, so please yeah. don't beat yourself up too much about that because that was a good thing. All right, so now you go two years with Backpack Dude. And you guys are homeless because backpack only has a backpack. (laughs) His name is an apartment guy. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) I know, right? And so, but I, there were like five houses in this town that I would, that we would keep going to. And sometimes I wouldn't hang out with the backpack guy because I'd be with another guy. And, you know, and I just, I just hop from all of these houses and I, I don't even know where to go from here. It just, I got, I got crazy. I got paranoid. I would wake up. At certain places, like you tell me that the meth that you were shooting was making you crazy and paranoid. And so, <laughs> yeah, and it's not only that, but I would wake up with swollen down there, like like something had happened, you know, obviously. And I knew I'm like, okay, something's going on. And I would wake up, and like these dudes would be around me, or like people would be running out the door. And, you know, and I'd be so out, like they were giving me like heroin and stuff um, that, you know, they put my clothes back on and everything. And so that would make me paranoid because I go from house to house with these people that I thought cared for me and these older men. Oh, we won't hurt you. We won't. You know, I can't believe that's happening there, but it would happen there and there and there. And I got crazy. Who do I trust? Where do I go? But then I wanted drugs so bad. I kept going back and it it would almost erase my memory that that was happening because I wanted the drugs so bad. And it just. It was like, you you know, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You're like, well, you know, at least if that happens, at least I'll get mine, too. Yeah. And I mean, I gosh, I got so crazy. I mean, there were times I'd run out in the snow in Minnesota with no socks on. I got frostbite. I freaking I had spiders making eggs in my head. Like, that's how crazy I got. I never thought I would be okay again. I never thought I could get be like this, you know so much jail time and different raids and gosh it's it's really weird to it's crazy to think that that was me like how could i get so low now when you say raids you mean like you were like because it sounds like you were bouncing trap houses yep this episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. So yep. when you say raids, you mean like you were like you were in the trap houses when the cops would come in and shit like that. Were you getting arrested ever? Yeah, all every time. And so this is this is the crazy thing. People used to tell me I was crazy that I knew that my phone was tapped because I hung out with big time dealers. Like I'm talking 
so much drugs, so much money. Like, you know, it's, it was crazy. Right. And the cops knew that because one of the houses that we went to was like, what do you call it? Like a CI house? You know what I mean? Like they Criminal have informant. Yeah. Yeah. An informant. So, yeah. Yeah. And so they, somehow my phone got tapped and I, so I would be everywhere the raids were and I get arrested every time and then let go. And, um, it was crazy, man. Like it people, was like they would keep letting you go so they could follow you to the next one. Yes, and and people were like, "You're crazy!" Like that, but I'm like, "This house is gonna get raided. I gotta go. I gotta I gotta move my shit." And I go, and then boom, it got raided, and I was like, "This." And that was making me paranoid because I'm like, I'm running, and I'm oh man, dude, that. Is I, not- I had a, I had a sponsee before tell me that he would always just barely avoid raids because his paranoia would get so bad that he would bear he would always get out of there just before the raid would happen because of his part but he also is the same sponsee that you know he was yelling at his girlfriend about how there's people in his basement there's people in his basement and then she called him out for being high and wanted to send him to rehab because you know they're in a trailer there's there's no basement bro <laughs> like you're in a fucking double wide there's no basement there's nobody down there you're going back to rehab and he's been sober since, <laughs> so he's got eight months. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, which is good. Um, so, what now with? Does this land you to twenty five when you get sober, or twenty four? Like, does yes. this? I do this for two years long, running and scared and getting hurt and guns to my head and, like, I had so I shot up everywhere. I shot up in my forehead the vein up here like and i they, i would be all bruised and like it and how bad were you like was your skin then because like because I'm, i've never done meth because i've always been so into pills yep. and being a downer but from what i've heard if you shoot meth and miss a vein it's that's how you get um what's the word i'm blanking um the parkinson's mar- the or marks, the, the all the marks, like oh. the not track marks, but the like um abscesses and shit like that. So, so I never got that, but I miss veins all the time. I actually have this. It hasn't flared up for a while, but I missed a big chunk when I went in one of these veins, and it went all around. And so every once in a while, I have to wear a brace because it it's so bad. Um, I never so, got. I had picks and I have track marks and stuff, but I never got like abscesses or anything. So the other thing is to have a question is your tattoos. So I've seen a bunch of your tattoos now because of, you know, you've been in that contest we talked about in the beginning. Um, did you get into tattoos then when you got sober in the last seven, eight years? Okay. So, so you had nothing until then or just like one okay. or two small. Yeah, I went to rehab with one tattoo. I came home from rehab with 17, and now I have, like, 40. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you end up becoming friends with somebody who is an artist in AA, and then you hang out in her front yard where she does tattoos during Um, meetings. Like, I was in Venice, Venice, LA, in her front yard, and she would be doing tattoos freehand without a stencil. And we would be doing an AA meeting and with like lamp people would be holding lamps over top of me so she could like see and oh, it was the fucking best. So yeah. fun. Yeah, like I, and a lot of people were like, Oh, but that tattoo is not perfect. I'm like, I'd rather have the story because the story to me is perfect and I don't care about what you think is perfect because it to me is perfect. And yeah. perfection is about what your perception is. So to me, it's perfect because the story behind it is I wasn't in some ratty, seedy, you know, tattoo shop with some weird dude who was watching TV the entire time he was giving me a tattoo. Like, it's a personal experience with a friend. So, yeah, it's not perfect to you the way it looks, but the story behind it is perfect to me. I love that. You know, so I'm glad we have the same kind of tattoo appreciation. Yeah. Um, So now... That I guess now we lead up to you getting into rehab for the first time. Did you go locally to rehab? Yeah, yep, I went locally. And how did that go? Like, because so, I know you did some time in jail. Yeah, yep. So honestly, I have to talk about my time in jail the last Please. time. Um, I remember that that was the day that I prayed, you know, and then the, and then the dr- the drug task force came, right? And I was ready. I was ready this time. And I looked at the cops 
with love for the first time ever, right? I remember getting into the cop car and listening to the country music that I used to hate, but all of a sudden I love, like, I'm like, this is weird. I'm feeling really good, you know? Um, and so I go to jail and I wasn't getting raped. I, I was having a shower. I was eating food. I had a bed to sleep in. Like, I love that fucking place. I could cry right now. I loved it so much. And I was just like, I finally was thinking about my daughter. You know, I was just ready. And so I remember the county lady came in to talk to me and said that, you know, if I get in trouble one more time, I'm going to go to prison for a while. And so she said, you should really go to treatment. And so I think it was like a court order thing, but I was ready, you know? Um, and so when I got out of jail, my mom picked me up. She was so proud of me. We haven't talked, hadn't talked for a long time. And she made me stay at her house for a week so that, cause they didn't have a bed open for me yet. Um, so she watched me like a hawk, made me go to meetings every night for the week. And then I, and then that's when I went to treatment and I was, that's awesome. I was so happy to be there. I, like you said, you were taking it all in. You, you were ready. And oh my gosh, I just, I just, I love it. And the people that work at treatment, they know the ones like us that come in willingly that want to be there that, you know, I think I was a, like house manager for three of the four weeks that I was there because nobody else was even volunteering for it. And I just, I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I enjoyed making sure that I was at IOP every day. Like I enjoyed just being there. I was exhausted and I'm sure you were too. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is when you're so exhausted and now you're in this free state of mind, you know, we can leave rehab at any time. Like yeah. people that never been to rehab don't realize this. They don't lock the doors in most rehabs. And they tell you that the first day that you're there, at least in my rehab, they told us the doors are not locked. You are welcome to leave at any time. If you just take your shit and go, mm -hmm. but you know, do not make this harder for somebody else because you don't want to be here. You can leave. We don't care if you want to go, just go. So, you know, when we come in and we want to be there, they notice that and they gravitate, you know, I ended up, I remember <laughs> at one point somebody was like new there and they thought I worked there. You know, oh. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you work here. I'm like, no, I live here like you, honey. <laughs> that's how that's how ready you were, you know, like, yeah, that's so cool. So I, I know what you mean, though. What a compliment to you that was that day, you know? Well, the, the funniest thing is, is that the person that works there had a year clean and he was sitting right next to me and she was closer to him and asked me and thought he lived there and, yeah. and thought. My and I was like, sorry about that, Matt, because like Matt's like he's a rail. He's like 100 pounds soaking wet, you know, this dude. And but he has a year clean and he works there with a year clean. And they thought I was the one that worked there just because I'm the one that's like heavier set. And he's the one that's skin and bones. <laughs> so they just assume that I must be the one that has some more time <laughs> to work. So, there. so, yeah, it, it was so funny. But, yeah, it, I was just like, no, I. I only have like 25 days sober and like, Oh, but you're always in the nurse's station. I'm like, I don't know. I'm friendly with the nurse. I don't know. <laughs> like having, like having conversations. Oh, so, um, rehab was good for you. You said meetings. Did you get, did you stick with meetings when you got home from rehab as well? No, no. You know what? I love if you guys go to meetings, I love it so much. Do what you need to do for your recovery. But for me, it just didn't work very well. Um, I just, I seen a lot of my old connections there and just, I don't know. We'll just. No, I think meetings are good and sometimes they can be not beneficial also, yep. especially when you're in your old area, like you just said, um, like, I literally just made a meme about this the other day where it's, like, George Costanza, like, doing, like, a double take of, like, of when, like, you see somebody, like, that you used to get high with in your home group and you're just, like, because, yeah. like, I, I don't know how I feel about that. And I never had to do that because I always went to meetings in Los Angeles where I didn't know anybody that I got high with or in Central PA where I didn't get high with anybody. I got high always in Jersey. That or Massachusetts. So like everybody that I got high with, no one's around me. Um, so, yeah, because when you go to a meeting and you're freshly sober and you see those people, it's almost triggering. You're not, you're not, it's not okay. Yeah, but I, but you do, you do meetings in different ways though, because we'll get into this. When did you start like really talking about things on social media the way that you do? 
So, okay. So, um, when I, let me think here. I, I met this guy that I'm still with now. We've been together <laughs> seven years. You met a guy? You <laughs> met a guy? Is this funny or what? I keep saying I met a guy. You guys, I'm telling you so many guys, there's like hundreds. <laughs> anyway, so, but we're in love and we we're the one that has a family together anyway. Yeah. So I moved, I moved with him like right after, um, um, recover, right after treatment. That's not and, a textbook, Sarah. Yeah. Just to move right <laughs> I did. And my counselor said, don't do that. And I said, he's the one. And he is, because here we are. Um, no, no, this time you were right, but you were yeah, wrong plenty. All those times, times I was so wrong. This is the one. And so anyways, so we're, we, we're starting our family. I got my daughter back um, and I, I went on Facebook, you know, because when you're an addict, you don't, you, I didn't anyway, I didn't go on social media. And nah. I hearing them people talking about Lime Life and that's my business that I'm it's a network marketing business and I wanted friends I wanted friends and I wanted confidence because I was I was I was doing the mom thing and, and sober but I needed something for me and so I joined that um and I'm, I'm I've been doing that four years now I've hit the top of the company but anyways when I joined that's when you know we had these challenges like share who you are to get your you know because people buy your products and join your team for who you are and so that's when I started I remember telling my first live video, sharing my story. It went viral. I was, I almost puked. I was so scared, shaking, but it was the most exhilarating, powerful thing ever. Yeah. Now, I yeah. Like what, like, so what platform was it on the first time you went viral and what does viral mean for you? Cause I mean, viral means something different, like getting a thousand views is somebody's going viral when they're getting like one or two hits on some of their stuff. So what is viral to you and what, at were you using that you went like so this was facebook it was a okay live and it got 10k views and i was like Shit. that's like so many people were sharing yeah. it because i they never seen me for how long like people so many people loved who i was as a child in um middle school i broke a lot of hearts when they saw who i was becoming uh, uh, you know like people that that loved me and was like oh poor sarah like look what she's doing you know um, and so when they saw me getting on social media again, they're like, oh my gosh, like that's Sarah now she's better. And it was really, it got a lot of attention, you know? Yeah. But, it's, and it's good attention. Mm -hmm. They definitely good attention Yeah. to where, yeah, at first you're like, oh my God, what are they all going to think? Oh my God. This is, I don't want 10,000 people to see me talk. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I'm, I feel good about this now. This is okay. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. When did you start? And that's when you started talking about your recovery was then. Yeah. And that was what, four years ago then? So 2018? Yep. Four years ago when I first started with Lime Life. So how much did that change when like quarantine hit for you? How has that been for you since that? Like, like, what, like being a creator? Because I feel like there's a lot more tools at creators disposals now that like COVID hit. So honestly, the year COVID happened... I was, I was on a trip in Mexico. Okay. I went to Mexico. I earned a trip for my company for kicking ass, right? A free trip. I went to Mexico and I came back and shit hit the fan. I was like, what the fuck? But that was the, the month that my team promoted to executive level. So it really, it honestly, like it hadn't, it hasn't really affected me that much, you know? Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, has, has, um, like, ha how should I say this? Um, cause I know there's a lot more like that we can do like as creators on social media because of COVID. So have you seen like basically more interaction now on social media in the last couple of years than from before in the first few years is what I mean. Definitely. Okay. I definitely do, yeah. Okay. And so what exactly do you now, what is Lime Life again? Can you explain that? Yep, Did I so say that right? Lime Life or Lime Light? Yep. It's Lime Life. Um, it's actually Lime Life by Alcone. So it's a professional makeup and skincare, all natural skincare. Um, it was actually founded in the fifties and was only available to celebrities and famous people in makeup, like famous people until about six years ago. Um, my CEO wanted to reward everyday women like me and, and her and her, um, and pay us for sharing these products and financial freedom and things like that. And so, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And yeah. so you get to like have fun and make content all the time. 
yeah, that's my job is literally going on a live video, putting on some makeup and it, like, it's such a confidence builder. It, it's crazy. It's so wild. It's so fun. And so with your, and it could like, you can work from home and then plus you have six kids. So how many did you have? You've had two since getting sober or three since getting yeah. sober? Two. two. Yep. Okay. Because I figured the five and two year old, right? That's what you yeah. said. Two and five. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then you say a nine-year-old was in there too? No, uh, 13, 12. Okay. But the, so he had a kid mm-hmm. 12 years, right around the same time you had your daughter. Yep. And Okay, cool. So that's awesome though. You have a little like Brady Bunch little family going on there. Yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> when I, um, when I found Lime Life, I did have a regular job, you know, where I had to leave all the time. And I, I, I didn't really like that because I had, I was just getting my life back together. I just wanted to stay home. Like I, you know, I wanted to be free, like actually free. And so I started this company and I, I was able to quit my job. Not, not long after. And I never, I've never went back. I've just, I've been home with these kids every day, all day and doing what we want. So. That's awesome. And now you're hopefully maybe working towards getting on the cover of inked. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we'll, we'll, (laughs) don't forget people go into the link in the description and even if you've already voted you can vote again every single day you can go on there and vote i think one vote per email per day is the thing that you can do or is it 10 votes a day so you can do one free vote every single day okay one free vote yeah they do have paid for votes they have these days where it's like two for one where you spend ten dollars and it equals 20 votes but free votes every day i love it all the co- the comments and the shares would will help me. So. Yep. Just go in the description and vote away. Yeah, I so, want. I want to share one thing of why I want. Yeah. I really would love to win that for a down payment for my house for my we we've been renting all our life. You know, well, I mean, I shouldn't say all our life. I've been hel- homeless all my life, but um, I I want to show the world like what you can do. You can go from the streets and homeless and using, um, to you know recreating your life and getting on a cover of a magazine. You I know. know? And you got the perfect hair for it now. Your, your hair, your hair definitely reminds me of what's that Jim Carrey movie? Um, the Grinch. What? No. The Grinch. <laughs> I'm the Grinch's wife. Okay. No, I, I was thinking. <laughs> no, of the other one that's more serious. Um, of Clementine, of his, of when his girlfriend kept, they kept changing her hair. Um, oh my God! Right now, oh. somebody's listening or watching and yelling at the screen. Because they know the name of it, but it's the one when he gets a mind, his mind erased. Because the whole premise of the movie is that you have a bad relationship, and that you go into this place and they put this device on your head and it erases all memories from your previous relationship, so you're not haunted by this person. Oh my gosh! And then she, he kept going out and, and meeting that person over again with his memory erased, and they would have all these relationships over and over again. I need to see that. Um, why am I blank? This is like, I feel like it was like the poster on every single like college room, like fucking door. And the girl from Titanic is the main eternal sunshine, the spotless mind. I'm so mad at myself. I'm going to, and you said it was Jim Carrey. Cause I love, I love him. It's serious Jim Carrey. So it's even better. It's serious, broken heart, Jim Carrey. Um, Kate Winslet plays the love interest. Um, it's on like. Hulu or Amazon or Netflix, it's on somewhere right now. My wife and I just watched it a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, because she had never seen it. And even who's the who's the dude from Lord of the Rings, the the main character dude? I can see him, but I can't think. But of he's him. in it too, though. He's in it too. Like okay. the movie is so. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is in it. Um, yeah, it's a great, great movie. Definitely check it out. Um, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, I hate when I can't think of a name that it's on. Like. And but you know I feel like someone punches me in the face whenever I find out the answer because like it's so obvious to me <laughs> and oh my god um, but thank you again sir for coming on being yeah. so open and you know talking about your story because I know it's not the easy to talk about you know especially living what you had to live through especially in those houses and bouncing around and waking up to being confused and not knowing what happened like. But there's also a lot of women that I know personally and that I don't know that listen to the show that I'm sure can relate to what you've been through and can feel less alone 
because from what I've been told by those women that I am friends with, when you do wake up and you feel that confused and look around and you know that something's happened like that, you don't feel anger towards those people. You fear you feel shame towards yourself. Yeah. And you feel guilt as in how could I let myself get in this situation? And you don't blame the people that did it. You make yourself the bad person because that's what we do as people that are empaths. We just blame ourselves and don't give anyone any shit. And those people now can feel less alone knowing yeah. that they could been through what you've been through too. Yeah. And I, so. I want to for having me and doing this because now I'm going to smile bigger today and just be in this mo most grateful spirit because of reliving this and just remembering like, wow, like life is really beautiful. A life in recovery is possible and beautiful. And I just love this and, and what you're doing. You're so, you're so special to be doing this. It so. sure is. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I got two years on the 29th this month. It yeah. doesn't exist. There's no 29th in February, but that's, you know, since <laughs> I got sober on a leap year. Yeah, um, that's insane. <laughs> so my wife and I's sober anniversary is now Tuesday. That doesn't exist of February 29th. I love so, it. but yeah, thank you so much again, Sarah. And all the links will be in the description. If you're watching or listening, just go down below.